Hi friends and welcome to the second episode of the Wild Moon podcast. I am so excited to have my good friend Tobin Osuski with me on this episode. Tobin is an amazing individual who has overcome incredible odds. His story is fascinating and I'm so excited for you to hear all about it in this episode. You can find Tobin on Instagram at Flying Tobin. That's Flying T O B I N. And from there, you can get the rest of the links to his other social media accounts. You'll definitely want to follow him on Facebook, Instagram, and especially YouTube because he has some incredible videos that you won't want to miss. Um, this episode is full of so much. We covered so much ground in this episode. You have to listen to believe um, some of the topics that we get into. But it's so much fun. I cannot wait for you to hear it. And I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So enjoy the episode. Enjoy the magic. And I will see you on the other side. Hello and welcome to the Wild Moon podcast. This is Dina of Wild Moon here and today my guest for this podcast is my friend and collaborator Tobin Osuski. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being with me Tobin. I'm super excited to have you share some of your insights and perspectives with my audience today. Um, We've been friends for a while and I am a huge fan of your work and everything that you're doing to help move collective consciousness forward. Thank you. That was very kind of you to say. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for doing it and thank you for being with me. So um, I want to start off by sharing with my tribe a little bit about who you are and what you do. So that's a tough question because people always ask me that. Mainly, I suppose I'm a trainer or coach um, to many different populations. Uh, Weekdays, I help out or I'm a part-time employee they call it a neuro exercise trainer for a nonprofit that specializes in rehabbing spinal cord injuries, traumatic brain injuries, uh, people who've had strokes that suffer from cerebral palsy or multiple sclerosis. Um, lots of very challenging words to say, but even more challenging populations to work with. Uh, a lot of these people are paralyzed, non vocal, uh, very limited in their physical ability to express themselves. Um, Interestingly, because I've been through it myself, and we'll get to that later, there is a fully attuned and alert consciousness within all of these people. It's just that they can't express themselves adequately with words anymore or physical behaviors, and our body language really says a lot for us. Our ability to move our hands during conversation, these people can't do, so it's their eyes that really express themselves. But anyway, not to dive too deep on that tangent, I also work with athletes of all sorts, um, from middle school to high school athletes, uh, and mental physical development of sorts, and skill development. I do a lot of work with other nonprofits. I help out at this nonprofit called Hope With Heart which is for children who have heart conditions and they run a camp once a year in the summer um, and they're always looking for support. So if anybody's listening to this and wants to get involved, it's a very worthy cause. It's located up in Warwick, New York, which is not too far from where we're located. Um, They do a lot of good charitable work and again have that camp once a week where kids with heart conditions who are unable their whole lives to do any physical exercise can get together, have other people with relatable stories, both young and old, and they can be active under doctor supervision up there. So it's really cool. I work with lots of hearts in this. Uh, Heart with Hands, which gathers and uh, donates or hands directly to the homeless of North Jersey clothing and essential goods uh, so they can sustain and maybe get jobs and get back on track. 
Uh, and I also work with the new Weiss Center down in Ringwood, uh, and that's where my physical fitness center has transferred. We had a physical brick-and-mortar location for almost seven years, and it just made the most sense at the time to partner with an established brand that essentially had the space and land we were looking for. Uh, Dina actually hosted her first workshop not too long ago there, and it went very well, and everybody's excited for the next coming events. Uh, the Weiss Center is an amazing place. It's an outdoor 150-acre or so, um, like I said, nonprofit space that has tons of cabins on it, a historic old building, and that's where my fitness center is now. So Temple Kinesis is the name of my fitness brand, and you guys can check that out. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And so I do a lot. Much. I'm sorry to go on such a long rant about it. There's <laughs> so much amazing work that you're doing, and it's nearly impossible to try to encapsulate that in just a couple of minutes, but you do a really good job of explaining it. Um, so thank you for sharing all of that with us and thank you for all of what you were doing because it's pretty remarkable. Um, so the next thing that I wanted to ask you because I've been fascinated by this um, is how did you choose the word flying to represent this phase of your journey? I noticed flying is in the name of your podcast, The Art of Flying, which I love and everyone should subscribe to. And it's also in your screen name, Flying Tobin. Mm -hmm. So what does flying mean? Where does that come from? So that's the climax of a long, probably 10, 15 year journey of self-discovery, I would say. Um, it really stems from when I was a kid, but the symbolism has been embodied in my adult life and all the things that I'm able to do after being told by all the experts that I would never be able to do any of them. Um, so Flying Tobin is my handle on all social media. For years, it was Ryman Shaman because that's what I identified as. I was a poet, I wrote a lot, um, and I'm a healer of sorts, you know, um, on all planes, dimensions, we can say. And you can look into what a shaman is, we won't get too deep into that. But when I was 18, long story short, I died in a car accident. And a few days later, after several days of being in and out of consciousness and in and out of my body, for whatever you understand that as, um, I was back and I was in a severely traumatized physical form. I had severe head trauma. I had breaks and fractures all over my neck and my back and my tailbone was shattered and numerous other things. I had over 500 stitches in my head alone. So I was a naked soul um, and all I knew was my soul's nature. My body wasn't something I could identify with anymore because it was just destroyed. My brain had no ability to remember new things. So I had all my old memories, but it wasn't working anymore. So I was literally trapped in a cell, hoping that somehow I could figure my way out of it again. And a couple years after, um, after meeting with certain professionals to retrain myself from athletic training staffs to psychologists to just counselors of all spiritual sex, uh, I was told by many people that what I was experiencing, uh, both in my mind, in my traumatic healing, and in my extrasensory perceptions, was that these experiences were similar to what shamans have spoken about for thousands of years. And I hadn't heard of a shaman before that, although we come from Ringwood and there's Native American tribes they had become, as most American tribes, dilapidated and disrespected and the cultures weren't honored. So we never learned about shamans and we didn't learn about drum circles and we didn't learn about um, sweat lodges and things that would facilitate our attunement, healing, psychological peace, physical harmony. So I started to learn about these things. And so for years, I was the Ryman shaman. That's how people identified me. That's how I identified myself. But soon after my father passed a few years ago and several other awakening experiences happened through relationships failed and through businesses transforming out of my control. And none of these things were bad things, although they may seem traumatic and, and hurtful emotionally at the time, 
it's just all to make us grow. And I said, okay, so I'm growing, I'm learning. And one day I just decided to change my handle and my screen name and my identifier as or to Flying Tobin. And I, the feedback I got was unreal. Everybody was like, you are Flying Tobin. Like, you are. Yeah, that's you. And it was the first time I'd used my real birth name in a name. And people were just giving me these bits of feedback that confirmed it was a kind of positive awakening experience even for them to see. Um so the real reason is because I jump really high. <laughs> like since I was a kid, it just doesn't make sense. I could jump pretty much the same height I stand, which is about six feet. And like people will see it and still not believe that it's happening. So I fly in the physical sense and I believe it's fully possible for humans to take that next step culturally and collectively. And we've been trying to do it for the past hundred years with, you know, external devices drones, helicopters, airplanes, we love to fly and sooner or later our genes are going to transform or unlock that hidden gene that the birds did and that flying squirrels did and we're going to start to adapt in nature and find our way into the sky because we've gone everywhere else already. I love that, that's so beautiful and I completely agree with everyone else that it suits you Um, physically, spiritually, emotionally, you're someone who being in your presence at times feels like flying. So I think that translates in all of your social media and all of your teaching. So it's like maybe you didn't pick the name, but the name picked you. <laughs> I, I would have to agree with that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of that mm. and getting into that part of your journey because as I said before, your story is remarkable, but that part of it is almost superhuman in a way. It's like not only did you overcome those odds that were completely stacked against you, but you went so far above and beyond just recovering and you actually moved into magic. Mm. So it's just incredible. So interesting that you said that because... I think we all battle with identity our whole lives and what ego tells us, what spirit tells us, what external people tell us. Right after my accident, like you guys heard, um, there, I had nothing. I couldn't identify with any of the things I was identifying myself with before. And I, you have to ask yourself at that point, like, okay, if I have a chance to recreate myself, who am I or who will I be? And I feel that by asking that question, the answers start to formulate either in your mind or the universe sends them to you somehow. So it's a very curious predicament Mm -hmm. where I was able to recreate myself and my primary thought was that it wasn't about recreating or creating a self. It was about using and intuitively I knew this the whole time it's just in retrospect you really can see things clearly it was about healing myself in a world that did not allow people to do that anymore the use of magic like real human natural magic that we all have and we experience in glimpses throughout a lifetime and our pattern recognition does not allow us to repeat it because it's so foreign to our native systems of disbelief in ourself. And I didn't have that system anymore. It was damaged. It was like my, my navigation was damaged and I had to learn to read maps and remember stuff again. And so my whole goal was, okay, if I can heal myself, then it becomes undeniable for anybody else to look at me and say that they cannot heal themselves. So I didn't want to heal Toby or or become a better version or do any of this like motivational shit. I just wanted to heal myself so I could function again. And then in retrospect, I realized, wow, especially with the populations I work with every day, they have to see me every day knowing I went through exactly what they went through, if not worse. And they cannot sit and dwell on their misery anymore, at least in my presence, knowing that I've been through what they've been through. 
and they all know it because their aides remind them every time when they're being bratty and they're making excuses and they're being down in the dumps, their aides come over and be like, he's been through it. Don't bullshit yourself anymore. Like, it's over. Get better. And these people had nothing but despair thrown at them from doctors, from family members, from society itself. Seeing somebody in a wheelchair, we all unconsciously react in our body language and we shy away from that person or we get like uncomfortable because of their situation or somebody with a brain injury or special needs of any sorts. I mean, you can all admit to yourselves at some point in your life before you knew what cerebral palsy was, you probably saw somebody walking around and had like a cringe on your face. And these people see that all the time and that reinforces their pattern of I'm never going to conquer this. Seeing me or Tobin going through what he went through and healing himself forces everybody else to let go of any excuse that they have. And I'm jumping forward a little bit because Dina was going to ask me a question a little later on. She had a few questions prepared. And it's about words that I don't allow people to use in my presence. The main one, which is something I said before in reference to the way that these people think or everybody thinks, can't or cannot. It actually makes no sense in English. If you ask somebody to describe in detail what they can't do, in their description, they will find a method to do it. They're just not doing it. Mm, so. You know, if you're laying in a hospital bed and you have to heal and somebody says, get up and move, your first instinct is going to tell them, I can't. Why not? Describe why you can't. Well, my back hurts. My leg hurts. Um, It hurts to breathe. I don't know if I have the stamina or conditioning to walk around. I don't know if I am stable on my feet. Next question is, well, how do you find out? You're just assuming And that assumption and that word can't keeps people in limitation that I believe it at this point to be a a horribly nefarious evil spell, magic spell that was cast by some type of sorcerer or sorceress thousands of years ago. Before the word existed and the concept of can't existed, they said it to somebody that they didn't like. You can't do that. And then it repeated itself genetically in our memories for generations upon generations, and it's led to nothing but misery. Mm. We can't clean up the oceans. We can't fix global warming. We can't lose 100 pounds. We can't be a functioning family. Just by saying that, you're manifesting it. Literally, you're magically vibrating your word into space, affecting the matrix in a negative, limiting way. Now, if we remove that word and other certain words from our consciousness and our vocabulary, we are then not perpetuating this program of an evil spell and that's been in my mind since my accident there was no can't I'm sure several people around me told me and they just said it instinctively when I was like I can't do this and they were like you have to do this Mm. and that's Mm. the mindset I feel of you know at least my clients and people in my world need to adapt to because I I honestly won't physically allow them to stay in my realm if they continue to use words like I love that so, so much. And I'm so glad that you transitioned at that point to talk about it because everything that you just said ties together to explain why you do not allow it because you do not believe it and you do not believe it because you know that it is false. Mm-hmm. There's, it's totally unnecessary. It doesn't even make sense. And so that's beautiful. And also, I love what you said about culturally, how we forgot certain things. And to go all the way back to when you had your accident and when you were physically, emotionally, and mentally traumatized on the highest level that a person can be bodily and spiritually traumatized to the verge of destruction. Actually, you pretty much went past destruction. Mm into the other realm and you came back from that so it's like if there is anyone who is equipped to help individuals who feel helpless it's you because most of us experience trauma on some level but it's not to that extent and so you like you said are living proof you are the embodiment of healing and overcoming and so just 
by witnessing you on your journey, um, you are inspiring people every day. Thank so, you. Yes. For naming me the Bodhisattva of struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What a what a crown to oh. be awarded. Um, I love it, and I thank you for that. Um, so one of the next things that I wanted to get into with you, um, because you have this knowledge of not only healing, but then also excelling um, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. What do you believe are like the tenets of wellness, spiritual and emotional wellness? Like hmm. when, when we get to the point where we're finally accepting that manifestation is a real magic power, that all humans have and we are capable of creating the reality that we once only thought that we could wish for how do we maintain that and what are some of the ways that we can really cultivate that in life yeah a uh, simple answer breath breath work um so going back to when i was in this hospital bed after a horrible accident and i just woke up into this nightmare of a reality I had third degree burns on 80% of my body and in my throat, esophagus, everything, because I swallowed all this hot gasoline. Um, I could barely take a breath. And as time went on, that healed the quickest, probably, because it's vital and it's soft tissue and it's different. So I could actually taste more and more quality of life in breath. Every breath I took and every day I woke up. And since then, anytime there's been any issue or I'm, you know, I get injured or something. I slice my leg on a mountain as I'm sliding down it. Uh, anything. I roll my ankle in basketball. Breath work is what gets it back. And obviously there's, I'd say secondary methods and tenets, as you asked, um, which would include, you know, mindfulness is one of the biggest ones, being aware of our habits and our thoughts and that's how we cultivate a better reality because we eliminate the toxins and we reinforce or give breath into the things that benefit us the most. Um, physical activity, any sort, whatever you like. I don't care if it's you know, surfing to yoga to curling to ice fishing. <laughs> like mm -hmm. Get out and move your body in some type of way because it's unique to all of us and all of our cultures and all of our uh, genetic memories uh, trying new things because you want your cells to learn to adapt you don't want repetition and stagnancy because you know water that just sits there gets all nasty and we are all water so we've got to keep our water flowing we've got to keep our thoughts flowing we've got to keep that breath flowing otherwise we get stagnant and start to rot away uh, in, inside and out there's no other way to explain it. Our, our spirits, our souls will rot away, our hearts will rot away, and externally our physical bodies will start to decay and deteriorate quicker. So movement of some sort, trying new things, uh, mindfulness, these are, I guess, like the next tenets to it. Um, but it all pyramids back to breath. Breath is everything. I feel wholeheartedly about this, that if we cultivate as a society a mindful, intentional breath work in our daily habits, and I know a lot of people are talking about meditation now and talking about emotional intelligence reflections and are talking about, you know, all these different things, they're, I don't know if they don't know or they're just touching the surface to be advantageous on other people, but everybody knows it's down to breath work and it's like they're holding this very simple secret and trying to sell little bits and pieces of it to people, that's not right. It's not ethically sound. It's not spiritually worthy of being a human being. I mean, we should be teaching people that you will not get better at meditation if you don't master your breath. You will not get better at running if you don't master your breath. You will not deal with your stress properly if you do not master your breath. So to send somebody to a psychiatrist or send somebody to a yoga instructor or to send somebody to a running coach that knows nothing about breath work is more destructive than it is helpful because we get trapped in these lower vibrational systems where 
if we detach ego from our bodies, each of us individually, I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about you, each and every listener, and all of your friends and family, detach your ego from your body and see it just as a machine. Like we are high-end automobiles that have been created 7,000 years in the future and sent back to inhabit in this timeline. We are conduits for breath. Without breath, body shuts down, heart shuts down, mind shuts down. The better we get at breathing, the more sane and sound of a human we are, the better of an athlete we are, the more achieved scholar and speaker we are, a better singer. All the things in which humans can excel in this reality, in this plane, stems from control of breathwork. And the fact that nobody's saying this out there means some other sorcerer's spell has worked up until now. (laughs) And now this sorcerer is transforming all these negative spells to liberate all of you, hopefully, to these very simple practices and habits that will continue to benefit you each and every day of your life. Amen. I am so grateful that you said that because that is something that I have learned very, very recently. And that simple fact about breath and what breath work does literally changes everything because as you know I have suffered from various degrees of severe to mild mental health issues my entire life and that really crippled and debilitated me in many ways and there's been so many times where I just thought I know I was under that spell. I was cast under that spell of this is just how it is. I just cannot come out of this. I was born this way and I will remain this way. And so I've spent a lifetime overcoming and transforming those limiting beliefs and those destructive thought patterns and cycles. And so I did all of that through CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, which changed everything for me 15 years ago now. But it wasn't until the last year when I discovered the power of breath work that everything went next level. Mm -hmm. It just went next level. And it was like, if I would have just known this when I was 15 and I was... I had a bottle of pills in my hand and I wanted it to end. If someone would have just told me how to breathe all the way in to the parts of ourselves that never get touched and we can do that with breath and we can heal all of the brokenness Mm -hmm. that we encounter in our lifetime but also that we've absorbed through cellular memory from our ancestors, breath is like the golden elixir. It 100%. fixes everything. And yeah. so I'm just so glad that you, you said that because nobody is saying it. I don't know why, but I suppose, I guess the ancients did say it, the the masters, and <clears throat> we've just failed to, as a society, absorb it because we've been cast under a spell. And again, it takes me back to what we talked about on your podcast, which is the idea of collective enlightenment mm-hmm. and we're all starting to get it. The common folk who are not yogi masters or whatever are waking up to it. And that's the work that we're doing. Um, so thank you so much for saying that. Well, thank you. There's <laughs> no me. I'm just a machine for breath to process. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so the next thing that I want to ask you about is when I think of you, I... I really I said this before, but I think of I think of superhuman because not only can you do these crazy ninja like things in terms of jumping and hiking and scaling walls and all of these things that you would never expect someone who suffered a traumatic brain injury to go through, but you do these things. But you also have this insane intellectual capacity. And I feel like when I'm speaking to you sometimes, it's almost like you've read a thousand books and you've retained it. Like I read things and I want so bad for them to stick, but they don't. And it's like somehow you you have all of that. So like what do you attribute 
that ability to. <laughs> Thank you. That was a very nice thing to say. I'm kind of blushing and taken back right now. But um, in all honesty, I was very, very lucky or blessed or gifted. Um, I was born essentially with a photographic memory. So I have memories back from like being a toddler, an infant even, that my mother was like, there's no way you could remember that. And I'll explain in detail. And she's like, you're so weird. And, um, That's crazy. But it's an interesting thing. I So growing up, I never had to study anything. I would hear it, see it, um, perceive it in some type of way, directly or indirectly. And I would be able to recite things back. Um, after the accident, I kept all my previous memories, but I couldn't store any new memories. So it was a big change from a photographic memory uh, to no memory or no proactive memory. Um, so working, I mentioned earlier, I worked with psychologists that helped me. It was a sports psychologist at the University of Rhode Island and I was on the soccer team. And he was normally used to, you know, dealing with kids basically were 18 to 22 who had eating disorders, who had stress disorders, who felt overwhelmed by their class load and workload with the sport program. Um, you know, things like that. Not to downplay any of those things. Those are very serious, but they were very uh, kind of cut and dry for a psychologist, a clinical psychologist. They knew how to deal with them and they're very well documented. And then I walk in his door. He's like, so what's going on today? And I said... <laughs> In other words, I was like, I just had a car land on me a bunch of times and it smashed my head up and I can't remember anything new. And I'm in anatomy and I'm in all these classes where like I need to memorize hundreds of terms every week. He was like, oh shit. He gets all excited like a little kid at a hockey rink for the first time or something. And he was like, wow. I could see in his eyes he was going to get to use all of his training to try to help me and get me back. So I met with him almost every day of the week for the first semester of college, you know, and that's within three months of the accident itself. And he just went over these learning games, like things that you would do in elementary school that I really never had to do, but I had to now. And I was very driven and motivated to get this back because, you know, you suffer a broken neck, broken back, and you come out walking. All right. You know, you're going to experience pain and neuropathy and things for a lifetime. But when you have no brain and no memories, you're not going to do very well in life at all. So I was extra motivated to get myself back neurologically, mentally, in a sense. So we went through several months of this training and I could feel my memory getting better. Things, you know, neural networks were starting to reform and repattern. But what was interesting was, and I, I found this out much later, because there was a damaged part of my brain, we weren't necessarily just healing that and reprogramming that. We were opening up and accessing new parts of the human mind that were normally dormant, but they had to take over and adapt, right? Just wow. like a dog that loses wow. their front leg, like figures out how to walk. They just keep going. They figure it out, you know, and they walk on all fours normally. Like the body and the mind will adapt. If you want to survive badly enough, it will figure it out. So one day, long story short, I'm sitting in my dorm room and I was typing something on my laptop, doing a little homework or something. And my roommate, who was also a teammate, was sitting behind me and started talking. And he caught himself. He was a conscientious person, I should say, intelligent. And he goes, I'm sorry, man. I know you can't, like, when you're doing something, you won't remember anything I say. And I just recited what he said back to him while typing. And we both stopped and looked at each other. He was like, you remember? What? And I just got up and I sprinted down wow. to this doctor's office across campus and very excitedly and out of breath told him uh, what just happened. And he was like, oh, yeah, we just must have reached that 10 percent point where like you're back to functioning with 10, 15 percent of your brain. And because of that, the brain's like, all right, we're healing ourselves. Right. Just like an injury heals itself. Mm -hmm. If you tear a muscle, that muscle heals itself over time, piece by piece by piece. And you're going to be limping for a while. You're going to feel pain. And then one day, you're going to go out and play soccer, play tennis, and you're not going to feel the pain anymore. You're like, what the hell happened here? Mm. The cells just said, oh, we're in healing stage. So we don't have to make the body suffer, or the mind limit itself so it doesn't injure us again. Mm. So it realized, okay, this kid's not going to smash his head under a car a bunch of times again. 
let's heal him up. And then it just kind of opened the floodgates. And my next question to the doctor was, now what can I do with this? And he was like, pass your classes. And I was like, but we just figured out how to like unlimit the human mind. I was like, how far can I take this? And he goes, well, depending on how long you live, try to get to the 100%. No one's ever done it or the Buddhas have done it and they just phase into a different plane or something. Because he was a well-studied guy. He knew all this stuff. He was one of the people that recommended me to shamanism early on. And um, because he knew I was perceiving genuine reality, but it was outside his realm of understanding. But he had learned about these things. So he was like, go to these people, go to these people. So then I ran out of the office and I'm like, wow, it's kind of infinite. Um, So the, and my photographic memory was back. So I just started reading. I started studying all these classes outside of my major. I was in theater classes and music theory classes and advanced nutrition classes and philosophy classes that none of these credits were counting towards my major, but I wanted to take them anyway. If I was going to be there, I wanted to learn. And Dina's seen my house and a lot of some of the listeners are friends as well. And they've seen my house. I mean, there's books everywhere. Um, I might have 500 books here, I would guess, total. Um, probably between three and 500, 500 at the top end. And I've read, I like to say, all of some of them and <laughs> most of the rest. Uh, I don't read in a typical way. I don't start page one and go to page 100. And I just open the book wherever I'm guided to intuitively or wherever it guides me to and I read from there for as long as I can keep my attention and then just you know do bookmarks all my books have multiple bookmarks and I just jump around and eventually I get everything that's in the book in the order that I was meant to experience it in Um, now I will say I don't read any fiction books so it probably wouldn't work with fiction if you're thinking that's a good idea (laughs) Um, but I do all nonfiction, science mathematics Kabbalah, healing remedies, uh, herbalism, just trying to look at some. There's business mastery stuff, uh, shamanist stuff. So yeah, it's very interesting way this brain works. Um, I thought at some point that I would just start taking in too much information and I wouldn't have any coagulation of it or correlation to anything else. But I will say... So I want to interject really quick. Dina's been very nice, and she's been referring to me as a superhuman uh, for some time now. We are all superhuman. Um, We were born human, and depending on our intensity of mastery, how much we really want to master this world, we can all unlock a superhuman or multiple superhuman abilities within us. I urge you to watch this movie called Glass, which is a continuation of the Unbreakable movie and the Split movie by M. Night Shyamalan. It thoroughly describes what's going on on this planet right now in a very Hollywood way, and I think you all should watch it beginning to end and really pay attention. Also watch Stan Lee's Superhumans, which was a television series that went on for many, many seasons where they traveled the planet and found people with verifiable, lab-tested superhuman abilities. We all have them. It's just our willingness to believe in ourselves and work towards that goal. You know, nobody's going to leave the ground and levitate and fly permanently if they don't first try to increase their vertical leap and refine their diet and work on their breath work and letting go of mental stress, all of these things that hold us down in some type of way. We've got to figure out how to release them and liberate them and then all of a sudden we might start flying and that's just me because I like talking about flying but it goes for anything Mm. if you need to heal yourself believe that you are the medicine Buddha you are the full incarnation of God's consciousness in your body that was meant to heal and when your cells believe that miracles can happen but if they don't miracles cannot happen or they might happen but they're less likely to Mm. So the superhuman thing is all of us. It's not just me. Uh, I just went through a ton of trauma and was forced to cultivate certain abilities that in this modern world could be deemed as supernatural or superhuman or I like the, what is it, the DC word, metahuman. Because that's less like a comic book. That's more like next level human Mm. or like human 2.0. We were all born as 1.0s and we've got to make it to that 2.0 level. Don't get left behind. 
Um, but yeah, I, th- that's really what it comes down to is I don't identify with my brain like you wouldn't identify with your Mac computer. Mm. It's yours nonetheless. You possess it. If you were to die, that would go in your will to somebody you loved. That's our brains, right? If we did not have our brain, we still have our spirit and our consciousness and our soul, depending on your belief system. But that's the operator of the system itself, which is the brain, the machinery of the brain. Mm. And we were all born at different capabilities. Mm. There's autistics who can't function in society, but they're mathematical masters. I mean, Mm. everybody's brain is different. I just got very lucky that one of my superpowers was this inner organization system. Mm, Where if a subject's brought up, I can pull from the vast knowledge that I've accumulated in my life and have it there instantaneously. And the only credit I can give is breath work because it organizes stuff. People say meditation cleans your mind and organizes it, but breath work like structures it. And it's almost like the most efficient warehouse employee in the world's biggest warehouse, which is each of our minds. When you make that employee super efficient, which is your intentional breath work, they'll do everything and anything they can to benefit your life. Got it. Got it. It makes perfect sense. And it's such a beautiful explanation of of why. So I have asked you this question before. Like we've had conversations previously where I said to you, how do you do it? Because I'm just so fascinated with your ability to retain and share so eloquently information. So for me, when I'm trying to understand something, someone can explain it to me and explain it to me, but the actual explanation oftentimes is not enough. Now you had given me the actual explanation before, but today, just now, you opened up my eyes to the reason. And sometimes when I understand the reason, that's when the light goes on. Mm. And what you just explained to me was the reason, and I'm going to share it with you, and I don't know if you know it yet, but the reason why you were born with that photographic memory, I'm going to take this to another example, and that's an example of the depth of pain that we experience allows us to later experience an equal depth of love. So the, the harder that we feel pain, the harder that we can feel love later. So for you, the depth of intelligence and the ability to memorize at that photographic level that you were born with was stored in your mind so that when you experience that accident, you would know what was possible. Mm -hmm. Had you not been born with that, you wouldn't have known it was possible to get back to that after the accident. And so you recreated with that psychologist at your school Mm -hmm. a map that shows one how to go from nothing to everything Mm -hmm. in terms of remembering and thinking and creating. And so now you are the owner of this priceless map and it was the depth of forgetfulness that you could have only gotten to through that accident that allowed you to gain that knowledge and so that's the reason that's what I've been searching for like I'm always like why Toby why how can you do it and now I know why Mm. so it's just extraordinary and also I will remind you now that we've uncovered this that you have this obligation to share that map which you are doing, um, because that was divine. I mean, there was only divinity that gave you that when you were born, took it away from you in the accident, and allowed you to work your way back to it mm-hmm. through your healing. So fucking magic, magic. Like, it's just, it's extraordinary. Um, thank you for sharing that as well, because you finally answered my question. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so there's no magic <laughs> pill. Um, it's just breath work and mm. willing yourself, believing in yourself. You don't even have to believe in yourself. You just got to will yourself. Um, I think back to certain movies that have tried to present this concept to all of us. And I think one of them became a TV show. The movie was with Bradley Cooper. It was called Limitless. Mm-hmm. And it was about taking a pill 
that could do the same thing. And I got so upset. It was a bittersweet thing because I was like, oh, they're telling people how to do it. And then it was based on a pill. And I'm like, of course. Right. And then there was another one called Lucy with Scarlett Johansson where she was kind of tricked into becoming a drug mule. And she had this certain drug put in her stomach and somebody kicked her and it released into her bloodstream a substantial amount. And she got to that 100% human capability uh, manifestation. So I am not the first one to be presenting this to you. Like I mentioned, there's other shows that you can watch in series and films. But they're not going to tell you the truth, which is a confusing thing to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Why do they present the possibility without showing the actual path? Um, Maybe they don't realize it. Maybe they're hoarding that secret so that they can benefit from it in this lifetime. But anybody that's listening to this, and hopefully certain people that are listening to this also go on and get on TV shows or do interviews and bring this subject up and, and force the collective to comprehend it and discuss it and figure it out together. Because mm. one person having it isn't going to help the world immediately. I've been putting in a lot of work for over 10 years trying to do this. And I can honestly say we've probably influenced tens of thousands of people and a lot of mainstream cultures starting to adapt to the things that we initiated so many years ago. And I'm not speaking about me with multiple personalities. The people who are around me, the the friends, the colleagues and network I've built who have absorbed and emote a similar concept and feeling and expression of reality and truth. Um, so for anybody listening, it's just breath work. There's no mm-hmm. magic pill. I was... I can say I endured the things I endured so that nobody else would have to. I meet a lot of mm. people and we're discussing these things and they're like, oh my God, like I need to go through so much more to get where you're at. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> I went through it so yes. that you don't have to and I can give you the wisdom that I extracted without you having to traumatize yourself over and over again. But we as humans, or at least the humans that I seem to magnetize, um, have experienced a lot of trauma and they haven't necessarily been able to rise out of it. But what's interesting is they're so aware that the trauma was given to them so that they could become this person that they always imagined themselves mm. to be and hoped to be and envisioned themselves to be. They're, I just happen to meet people who have so much potential, but they don't necessarily love themselves enough to mm. allow it to manifest. Yeah, I have to interject yeah, because please. that is the crux of everything that we talked about on my podcast, which is on your podcast Mm -hmm. when you interviewed me, which is that Mm self-love is the foundation for everything else. And I feel like something that I'm just realizing in this conversation is that self-love is the foundation and breath work is the structure Mm -hmm. because you have to feel deserving of the magic that breathwork will create. And in order to do that, you need that self-love foundation. So it's step one and step two that we're just kind of like tapping into here. Yeah. And it's it's absolutely incredible. Um, I didn't want to cut you off if you're not no, done not with your at thought all. You're good. on that. Thank you. It was pertinent. Pertinent, yeah. So do you want to finish that thought? or Because there's one more thing I want to talk about. Please, go ahead. Yeah? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Okay. Um, I just thought of this while we were talking. And I feel like this podcast would not be complete if we didn't touch on this critical subject that is so important to both you and me. And it's, I know, somewhere in the heart of the work that we do. Um, And that is the critical importance of nature Mm. and the outdoors. Because I feel so strongly that reaching our full potential and healing requires a connection with nature and when you talked about the spells that have been cast that have given us the word can't and given us the belief that we cannot or we are not um i believe that the spell is this modern society Mm -hmm. that is disconnected from nature and all of the magic that we have inside of us we tap into that through nature. So mm. 
I'm just curious because <clears throat> you are so well connected to nature and you do these guided meditations um, in the woods and you're always out exploring and I just want to know how do you feel that nature impacts our ability to reach that next level? So very timely subject to be brought up. I just saw in a news article and it was on the news, but they probably passed over it real quick. Right now, literally in the past couple of weeks from when this is being recorded, humans for the first time in the history of the world are populating the cities of the world more than they are any other areas, suburban and rural areas. And you can look that up. Like I literally just saw that. So it's so interesting. And we can also say for the greatest amount in history, our world is experiencing the most chaos and detachment from each other and hatred towards each other and uh, disease that's caused by our own activities or lack of activity or bad habits. Clearly, if you were a scientist or a demographics expert or uh, a statistician of some sort, a census bureau person, these two things would be connected directly, that our world is in chaos and we have, for the first time in history, detached ourselves from nature. Over 50% of us are detached from nature. And this is a gorgeous planet. Like Every corner of the planet is so beautiful and people only look at it from their little cubicle on the computer on their screensaver. And I know a lot of people, literally like several college friends of mine, have traveled the planet for five, seven years after they graduated college. And like I, one of my best buds from college, he was a football player, like full on like jock, can get any girl I want type thing. Let's get drunk and party every night. Dude lives in like Bali. He's, I don't think he's taken a, a photograph of himself with the shirt on in like eight years. <laughs> he's like riding motorcycles on a beach and there's only 10 people around. And like he's under waterfalls, like Amazing. just with beautiful people around. I'm like, that's his full time life. And it's inspiring me. And in the coming years, things are going to shift for me too. <clears throat> but I live in the middle at the top of Northern Green State Forest. Mm on like an ancient volcanic lake that has cold springs flowing up from it now with trees all around in a log cabin made out of log and stone. So, so equally beautiful. Yeah, but it, we're 30 <laughs> minutes from the biggest city on planet yes. Earth. Um, so humans and nature, I mean, that's the solution. You're going to learn to breathe better when you hear the breeze going through the trees and the trees, the leaves of the trees actually will sing to you and speak to you. And it's something that if you don't experience that, you are a person that's never listened to music before. Imagine going through a lifetime not listening to music mm -hmm. or only hearing like dissonance on the radio, like scratching and static. Imagine you ever turn on a radio and it's static or a television when it's static and storm's going. Imagine that's all you heard your whole life and then somebody played Beethoven for you. Mm, exactly. That's where our society is right now is we've all been listening to static and looking at static our whole life, lives, and the moment we get into nature, and there's a reason it's becoming a craze that people are getting out a bit more now, because we are killing ourselves with this delusion that we need to build artificial structures on the most beautiful planet in our solar system, which we can see now because there's photographs of every planet and our planet's by far the best um so why are we destroying it and not even saying that but why are we not appreciating it forget the destruction the more we appreciate it the less we'll destroy it it's very mm -hmm. simple mm -hmm. but that's a hundred percent where we are going to heal ourselves the most i believe in japan researchers and scientists and doctors now and i think insurance companies are somehow involved where they're like yes. they're paying patients to go out in nature a certain amount of hours per week and it's curing depression, it's curing anxiety disorders, it's curing <laughs> podiatry, like foot disorders. If you have plantar um, fasciitis, walking barefoot in the dirt will cure that within a few months. Like so many simple things that our modern society is forced upon us in negative ways, nature takes away right away and it fills us with everything that we need in terms of healing possibility the air is cleaner obviously because trees create new air buildings and sidewalks do not create new air like this is simple science guys <laughs> um totally. so if you want to really heal yourself emotionally mentally physically spiritually 
Nature is essential. And I'm not asking you to disappear into the middle of the woods and go on some, you know, in the wild or into the wild type stuff or Thoreau type stuff and disappear. But make it a priority once a day or once a week to spend several hours in nature, no cell phone, no earbuds, nonsense. Listen to the birds, the harmony of the symphony that goes on at all moments. Try to spot a deer walking. Try to silence yourself so much that nature feels comfortable opening itself up around you. See if you can sit long enough and watch a flower move closer to the sun or move with the sun as it's moving. If you were to time lapse any plant in your house or outside of your house over a 24 or 12 hour period of daylight, they dance. Mm, Literally, imagine you could slow yourself down so much that you could see a plant actually moving. The miracle in that alone for our society would transform everybody's consciousness immediately. Immediately. Yeah. So I love that you brought up nature in terms of its relation to healing. Uh, I do programs, like I mentioned earlier, I work with this place, the Weiss Center in Ringwood, which thousands of years ago was a Native American community. And a hundred years ago, it was a German community of immigrants that worked with the international organizations, the Highland or the Nature Friends. Yeah, I think it's the Nature Friends. And they have spaces all over planet Earth where they preserve them just to allow people to cherish natural setting in a very minimalist lifestyle. Uh, And these people built it, and we're just continuing the tradition with the Weiss Center now. Um, And Weiss was one of the original names of the Nature Friends that came over and built the site, or preserved the site, we should say. That's completely surrounded by a modern neighborhood. Um, But all of the people in the neighborhood wander onto the Weiss property a couple times a week. I've met them all. Because it's solace. It's where they get their peace. They work in Manhattan or they work in Clifton or they work in Patterson. and It's nothing but stress and smog and chaos and competition and frustration. And then they get home and they can stroll in paradise. Like the most beautiful flowers and trees you'll ever see. And it's right in their backyard. And if you don't currently have access to something like that, make it a point this summer to start to program that into your daily pattern or weekly pattern because it's going to benefit you the rest of your life. Absolutely. And I can completely attest to the magic of the Weiss Center. Um, we did our full moon healing event there earlier this, actually last month. And I mean, the energy in that space is, is absolutely incredible. Um, but beyond that, what you're saying about nature and the ability of nature to heal. What I love about science is that science right now is finally starting to catch up to magic. Mm -hmm. And the two things, science and magic, are completely woven together in the most beautiful, intricate way. And the more that they're discovering, the more that that magic that the ancients have known for so long and that we intuitives and empaths have known our whole lives, it's all coming together. And so if there's anything that I want to stress and I want the listeners to take away from our time together today, it's these two things that breath work and nature alone have the ability to heal you and heal all of us heal all of us Mm -hmm. from even the most incredible traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. um you are again the living embodiment of that and um your journey is proof that it is possible and your work is the map and so um, I, as we close, I again want to thank you. Um, thank you so This much. has been incredible. We had, um, after our last podcast together, some requests to jive again. So mm-hmm. here we are doing it. Um, and Two of many. Yes. <laughs> and so um, Tobin called us today partners in consciousness. Um, and I love that. And so we're going to continue to do amazing work together. We've got some more workshops coming up. We've got retreats coming up. Um, we hope that you will join us. You will find Tobin uh, at his handle, at Flying Tobin. 
on Instagram and everywhere else. And all of his social links will be in the description of this podcast. So we'll close now. Again, thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I hope you extracted some benefit. And really what I hope is that you believe in yourself, whether you're in need of healing or in need of your dreams coming true or in need of feeling connected to a community. If you just simply want to altruistically help the planet and help people grow, please master your own and cultivate your own breathwork processes. I mean, that shows the most respect to nature and life itself and the universe itself and this simulation matrix we're in, that when we separate our own desires from the need um, to be, you know, reacted to or the need to be accepted in any way, we can get back to our true nature, which is being these divine machines that were meant to transform breath. So if you're having a negative thought or doubt in your mind or fear of any sort, take a giant deep breath in and make sure when you breathe out, you're thinking you can, you believe in yourself, you're going to make it happen, you're benefiting the world and things are getting better because that's exactly what we are. We are meant to take in breath, let it transform from negative to positive, just like a photograph, and then we bring that photograph to the world to show it. So please, please, please do the work because we will all benefit from you doing the work. Thank you so much. Hi again, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wild Moon Podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed it. I thank you so much for listening and I thank Tobin so much for sharing so much of his beautiful experience and wisdom with our Wild Moon tribe. It has been such a pleasure. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Please give me your feedback on Instagram at wild.moon.co. I want to know what you thought of today's episode and I want to know what you guys want to hear next. All right, have a beautiful and blessed day and I will talk to you soon. Thank you.